So I've been asked to speak about personal spiritual disciplines from the perspective of a layman. And right now, I really would like to lay down and be a... <laughs> but that's what we are. So what is the definition of a lay person? We don't use that word much in our vocabulary, very rarely, but it just means someone who isn't specifically ordained to lead the local body. We are all responsible, we are all in this together, but from someone who doesn't carry the responsibilities of all of the flock on their shoulders, uh, that's the perspective that I'm talking from today. So since we are not ordained, does that mean we are of less value? No. no. <laughs> what is the basis for saying something like that? Well, obviously, where's our value in? Where's anyone's value? It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's also in God, because it's not just those in Christ who have value. All people have value. Um, where does that value come from? Let's read some verses. If I could get people with ready Bibles, someone read Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and someone grab 9, 6 of Genesis. And while you're looking for that, I will just say um, I want to recommend a book to you all, True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. He talks a lot about the fact that we are personal. We're not machines. Our culture, the world, kind of vacillates, or doesn't vacillate, it slams back and forth from one side to the other, trying to do both at the same time to make people worth something, and at the same time saying we're just machines, we're just part of the cosmos, we're just happy accidents, or in too many cases, unhappy accidents. We need to know why we have value, because we're different from all other animals. I was watching a movie <coughs> last night or show something last night and somebody was complaining about you know they don't eat meat they don't eat fish they don't eat they don't eat anything with a face which is interesting but you know I've never heard anyone explain what the difference is between things with faces and other living things there's all kinds of living things in this planet. In fact, we are utterly and completely and totally dependent on life to eat living things. Uh, even vegetarians kill things to eat. So I think we're just like to make our own rules. Someone have Genesis 1? There you go. Uh, okay, that's not too much work for you. Just offering up. Good. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, 
so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Okay, so God created man in his image. What does, you got, want to read 9.6 because after the flood, God had killed all, okay, not all living things, but a massive amount of the mammals particularly, except for eight persons. And what did he say after that? So the point here in Genesis 9 is that the world had been destroyed because of the sin of man. The context of 9 was leading up to the flood where it says that the thoughts and intentions of man's hearts were only evil continually. So the importance of 9.6 is that even after man's sin, he is still made in God's image. So all people have value. All of that to say all people have value. And the value is because God says we do. And secondly, we are valuable to God because somebody want to read 1 Corinthians 6.20 for us. For ye are brought with the Christ. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we're, we're God's because he created us and he's, we're God's because he actually died for us. And even those who do not accept that sacrifice, Jesus died for us. For, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So God values man. So that's why we are all, even if we're just laymen, we are still valuable to God. We are not, pers we, we are not machines, we're personal. That means we can relate to each other, and we certainly have the capacity of relating to God. The other thing to note about us is that we are diverse. We're all the same species, but we are extremely diverse. Not only in male and female, but in so many characteristics. It's just incredible. And that's what God uses to make beauty. It's hard to make a beautiful painting with one color. And God made a lot of variety, and that is his creativeness, and we reflect that whenever we create something beautiful in art or song or music or even machines are beautiful. I will testify to that. It's an amazing thing because, again, it's part of God's creation. We are incredibly complex systems. Every living thing, every actually 
everything that God created is amazing in structure. And, and as we learn more, we find how I need to just stop on this, but you know, even down into the subatomic structures, it's amazing design and creativity that God has put in this creation. So we need to remember that. So even though we aren't ordained, we are persons and we are responsible to perform what God has given us to do. Especially those of us who are disciples of Jesus. If we have committed ourselves to following him, which is what we are saying when we uh, accept Christ, when we uh, confess our sins and ask him to forgive us and use and accept the, the adequate, the sufficient payment of Christ's blood for us, we become a disciple and that disciple is one who follows and learns. I think I missed some more verses there. Someone want to, I'm sure someone already has 1 Corinthians 7.23. Thank you. It says, you are bought with Christ. Do not become slaves of men. Period. Anybody have Proverbs 15, 32? It says, he who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof requires understanding. So that's our responsibility. Um, discipline of ourselves is, is critical. We, in this country, and most of the world, athletics is a serious business, especially in this country. Have <coughs> you ever heard of an athlete who never disciplined themselves? You don't get to be really good at what you're good at without a lot of practice and discipline. Um, so that's what, we can talk a lot about that, but we, we know what we're talking about. This takes, takes effort, time, and attention. It takes deliberate, deliberate attention of ourselves. We are really his slaves, aren't we? And slaves should mostly pay attention to what their master tells them to do. But even in, in the context of the New Testament, say, where people had slaves, those slaves were given, often given a whole lot of responsibility. And it's that's what God has done to us. He has given us a very big responsibility. 
And again, with all this diversity, each one of our worlds, our own little worlds, are, is very different. And so there is a lot of diversity in what each of us will be doing. I did want to draw attention to the fact that in the, uh, in the early church, up through history and much of the time, the, the non-ordained person had a very limited life. There's so much of history, so many of the people in history in the, in the historical church had very limited uh, options as far as, as of learning, of studying, of practice, of travel. That was reserved, or that's, that was just simply more of a function of the rich, but most people were not wealthy. We live in a very, very strange world in the history of the world right now, a very strange period where everybody in the U.S., even the poorest, is so much better off than, or has the capacity to be better off than so many of the people that lived throughout the world in history. But we're talking about us, and we are different now. We have massive responsibilities because we have so many capabilities. We have so many um, resources. We have so much free time. Even those of us who work hard all the time still, and way too much, are, still have a lot of time about which they have to decide. In fact, a lot of that needs to have better, better discipline. I would say to myself. Any questions? Any comments? Yes. I'm unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> we need to put that on a little plaque. Indeed, we are. Every one of Billions of people on earth are, are unique. How can he do that with just a few elements? Truly amazing. Jerry, when you were asking about athletes who aren't disciplined, my mind immediately went to rec leagues. I have kids who are in rec leagues and just watching them run around trying to kick soccer balls. And, uh, not really total lack of discipline. They have no idea what they're doing. And that's definitely not how we want to be described as believers. Uh, lay person or ordinance or wherever you're at, you don't want to be a uh, reckling Christian. Um, we definitely want to be disciplined. Yes, we want to excel. We really want to excel. Um, enough said. Go on. I could talk way too long on this and I got to keep moving here. So let's move on to the actual thoughts of discipline. If people will be prepared to read these verses a while. You know, discipline is a noun and a verb. Uh, I like to use the word as a, a verb. And the uh, First Corinthians 9, does someone have that already? 
This is, should be all of our favorite verses. Yes. We discipline our bodies. You know, our bodies are just amazing things, but they are often part of our biggest challenge, isn't it? We have lots, this, this old thing, and even when it's young, has a lot of demands, makes a lot of demands, and it takes a lot of whipping and hard knocks to start to manage that thing. I had the privilege of eating out in a restaurant yesterday and there was an undisciplined child in there and apparently undisciplined parents because that child serenaded us the entire meal. (laughs) Much of the time at the top of their lungs. Um, But when you're an infant, that's expected. It's hard to manage that. But it doesn't usually take long for us to grow out of that stage it's really sad to find believers who are still in that stage let's not be one of those first timothy 4 7 okay So it's not just discipline, it's a discipline that's focused on godliness. That needs to be our highest priority. All discipline is worthwhile, but the biggest effort needs to go towards godliness. How about First Timothy six eleven? But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Yes, that is to be our pursuit. That needs to be always in our mind. In in the world of philosophy. <laughs> 50 years ago, the word existentialism was a big word. I haven't heard that spoken recently. Does anybody know what that meant? Materialism. Sorry. Let's, let's see what you have to say. Well, it's what's rooted in Kierkegaard's thoughts and Kierkegaard's thoughts and then developed in, even in a Christian context with neo-orthodoxy came to fruition that way through Karl Barth and some other fellows, but it basically came down to uh, taking a leap. Well, and living in the moment. The moment's the, all, the, thing, the primary thing that's important is the moment. And yes, we do live in the moment. That's where we are every moment. But there is a past and there is a future. And we as believers should be most impressed about the future. Um, I'm not going to give this out in the most orderly, uh, understandable fashion, but we do have a goal ahead of us. 
um, a goal and a, a destination. And we have processes and disciplines that we want to incorporate. In Sorry, old brain. We want to use to get to our destination in the manner in which we would like to get there. So just, uh, see I didn't do first, uh, Second Timothy 1.7 yet. Somebody have that? For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Self-control. Fortunately, we're not the only ones in charge of ourselves. We've got a body around us that's supposed to slap us and kick us when necessary. But, you know, in between our ears, we have a lot of discipline that is necessary. And so we'll talk about some of the ways that that wants to happen. So let's read uh, those psalms. Can we get one person to read each one of those verses? Okay, thank you. Verse 38, confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. 96. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. 144. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. So can anyone guess what I'm talking about at the very foundation and the pinnacle of our discipline the word of God good 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 perception there God's word but amazingly it needs to be in us and that's what Psalm 119 is all about he's asking God to make his God's word uh, real and permanently part of himself. Colossians 3. Oh, that was a long list there. But he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It is, it is the source of all that we need is God's word. So for, for all of our decision-making so we definitely need to start out. Any thoughts and plans for our own discipline needs to be based on God's word. There are a couple of verses in the Bible, in the New Testament, that really make me sit up and I think we We just don't pay enough attention to them. One is in Matthew 7, 21 and 23, where Jesus said, 
not everyone that calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's something we need to be really, really serious about. Is, is Christ really living in us? And quiet. <laughs> And the other one that sobers me is in Second Peter 2. And unfortunately, I somehow mislaid my Bible. Does somebody, can somebody read Second Peter 2? It's about verse 6, I believe. Well, just start reading. I'll tell you if I missed my mark. Okay. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And okay. if he rescued the righteous lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, where that is the righteous man lived, uh, lived among them day by day, day after day, he was tormenting his righteousness over the lawless deeds and that, uh, that he saw and heard. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and keep the right unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Okay. That wasn't what I was looking for. Good words. Very good words. But, but I was looking for the one that says... Uh, well, actually in verse 1, anyway, too much information here and it jumbles up. But in, he's, he's saying that um, it's just not coming up. We're responsible, though, to examine ourselves and be certain that we are in Christ. And that's, there's lots of ways to do that. We like, and we get really good at doing that in other people, but uh, let's keep that in our own minds. Let's not be so certain that we are in Christ that we can get um, a little impressed with our own self-righteousness. But apart from that, we need to be disciplined ourselves. So Second uh, Peter, um, I really wanted to read the whole third chapter, but it took four and a half minutes, so I'll dispense with that. But in Second Peter chapter 1, he has some really great words. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord's seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you can become partakers of the divine nature 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. And now for the punchline. So for this very reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Because if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he says, just be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and his choosing you. So it is our responsibility to pay serious, daily, disciplined instruction to ourselves. So, just a great, great bit of wisdom for us. And so, in our practice, and you finally get to talk. So, what spheres of our lives do we need to exercise discipline? Okay, well, I'm gonna, I put these a little bit in, in uh, a priority in my mind. So, if somebody has Ephesians 6.18, if you want to all be looking to choose one of those to read for us. We'll talk about some of the things. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert to offer perseverance and petition for all the saints. So is prayer one of our major disciplines? Yes. The question is, is it? It should be, right? It better better be, and that is a challenge for me, I confess. And it seems like you never can be praying enough. So that's another thing. Again, diversity, we don't have to make rules about how we do this, except for ourselves, and we need to practice it. For me, um, as a child, I knew I did not want to be a factory worker doing the same thing over and over for 40 years. So I like variety. And even in my disciplines, they, they change over time. Maybe that's, a, hopefully that's a sign of growth. But they should always be getting better, improving, increasing. Does anyone have any thoughts or comments or encouragements for us? about prayer, your own prayer life? Nobody wants to brag? I like your encouragement that you change it up. That's encouraging, because I get frustrated that I can't stick with anything. Well, there's a thing about sticking with it, but there's, there are fences, there's room inside there, yep. Anything else? 
Okay, here's one. How about, oh, I didn't check this one. I hope I got this one right. Matthew 6, 17 and 18. Yes, sir. Oh, you were scratching your nose? Oh, you're so spellbound with my talking, you can't even look ahead to get the next verse. Wow. Or else you're all asleep. Big of a part is fasting in our personal disciplines. Okay. I would encourage us all to do that. And as I said, it's hard to be disciplined throughout your life in every way. There was a time when I fasted really regularly and I don't do that anymore. And that's to my shame to be able to say that, but it has more value than we are taught these days. I, you hardly ever hear anything about that, or at least I don't. But I would encourage that. Someone have Proverbs and Job and Second Timothy? So that's basically talking about learning. There's various ways that we are taught. Uh, one is by looking, figuring things out. One is by being disciplined. And one is by ob yeah, observing what we have just done and learn from that. Job. So if we have a sovereign God, a sovereign personal God, a sovereign personal God who is imminent, we expect and can benefit from his interrupting our existential life moment by moment. He steps in. I can, could write a small book about those events in my life. Um, and that's only small because I just don't know everything. Any other comments on on study and learning? Not even from the professional students here. And 2 Timothy 3.15, does anybody happen to know what that is without having to look it up? From childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 
lot we can learn. The scriptures, again, is our foundation and what we need to spend the most time in. Okay. Does anyone have Philippians 4, 8? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So what is, what is the subject here? Okay, so one of the areas of our minds, or areas of our life, is our mind. And that is the most fundamental, well, keep saying the most fundamental, foundational. But anyway, that's where we, that's where we live. That's where we are all the time. Even, even when we're asleep, and that's a puzzle. But uh, our thought life, do we have any practices about our thought life? Do we have any problems with our thought life? Do we have anything to say about any of that? Any comments? Take every thought captive in Christ. We need to renew our minds. Part of our change, a part of our changed life, part of our being a new creation, means we should have some management over our minds. Uh, without the help of God's Spirit living in us, we don't have much control over our minds. And we can see that in real life. Yes? I don't remember that. Thank uh, you. Where he talks about the, the freedom that we can have in the thought life and how our, that our thought life is like an iceberg and what we, how we think through things in life is like an iceberg and we're responsible for what we can see, not for what we don't understand or what we can't understand about ourselves because we are such complicated beings who have been so affected by sin that we are unable to even truly understand everything about ourselves. And so it's the, the aspect or the, those things that we know are wrong, the things that we're dealing with that are in our minds that we know we have to deal with and take captive is what we're responsible for. And we are not to go hunting down every little thing that we can't even understand anyway because we are very complicated beings, especially this side of the fall. That's amazing. Yes, there's so much, so much concerning our minds going on in our world today. Fallen people trying to manage their minds is huge, big business. I, I am just amazed that how many people think 
psychology and counseling is a really good career. And when I see people talking like that, it's almost always people who are messed up themselves. <laughs> they realize the value of it, but they don't have a clue on how to manage that, and they think that they can be taught that in a secular environment. It's, it's hopeless and helpless, yes. <laughs> That's part of what's under the water there. <laughs> but I will say, what you're thinking about before you go to sleep, off or watching or reading, can have a big effect on what happens in there. Complex is the word. We could give a lot of little stories about that, but yes, the, uh, don't spend too much time trying to control what you can't control. Let God take care of that. So, do we have... Anybody looking up these next verses? Better hurry on. I've got to get to my punchline. Thank you. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then 8 through 12 says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, <clears throat> wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, saying that you've put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So much there. I'm not even going to try to cover, but you know, it's we all, no matter who we are, where we're from, have the need of God managing this for us and ourselves giving it to God consciously. It is, it needs to involve everything. Our, our little things, again, uh, every moment, every day, the big decisions, the little decisions, nothing is insignificant because all of it makes up what we are and what we become and where we're going and all of that. We have to just be, be attentive, be attentive, just like 
driving the car 80 miles an hour on a freeway. Um, it's amazing what you can do while you're doing something so incredibly critical. But you don't ever want the little things to affect the big things to the point of distraction. Uh, one of the most famous airplane crashes was in Florida where the three crewmen were so focused on an idiot light that wasn't working, they forgot to fly the airplane. They thought the autopilot was, and it wasn't, and neither were they. It's just a vivid picture of our own life. If we're not careful, if we get tied up in the little things becoming too important. You were going to say? I got something, Jerry. Just looking at that verse that Mandy just read, verse 12 of Colossians 3, I've taken note of the order, I think it's really important. So it says, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. That's our position in Christ, who we are. We are already holy and beloved in Him. We have already been chosen. And then afterwards, we are to put off the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if that flows out of our position in Christ, it flows out of our identity in Him. Not that we don't have a responsibility afterwards, but uh, taking note of the starting place, I think, is really important. Yeah, God is sovereign, but we are responsible. He manages our environment like we can, but we also can manage a bit of our environment. Um, but yes, the idea of living this life righteously without the power of God being inside us, giving us direction and strength and ability and, and, and very serious management, um, it would just be, it's hopeless, it's, it's helpless. So, thank God he has loved us and given himself to us. How about First Timothy? Did we, we didn't read that yet, right? I it. Thank you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I guess that's a good place to end, isn't it? Are there any other comments or I think as uh, Christian growing in Christ through this stuff back to prayer is where I find myself when I read this and don't recognize it in my life is where I, I can begin prayer right? where I can ask to be more compassionate for others um, to have that heart pointed towards others instead of just myself and um, asking the Lord to expose, you know, where where I'm weak at, or even where my sin at that I, I don't see, so I can grow in that aspect. And it doesn't always turn out the way you want it to. Uh, it can hurt a lot more than you expect it to to experience these things. But as 
to know it and to practice it more consistently. Thank you. So again, um, this takes work. It takes the power of God. It takes us wanting to. And it doesn't get easier with age, I can assure you. Um, and practice doesn't make perfect. But practice does make a habit, and habits are helpful tools for us. Helps us to be consistent, and it helps us to follow through when the old carcass is complaining and wanting to do something else. Again, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard work. The other thing is that it affects our future. Now, the, um, the amazing thing is that we will have things to do in eternity and those things that we will have capacity to do and um, instructions to do, commands to do, are affected by some of the things that we do today. Um, and Lee used to, one of his phrases, many of his phrases, there's only two things that we can take into eternity, and that's people and his word. Because the word of God is fixed in heaven forever, and so I didn't give any pitches about memorizing, but that's hard work. It takes, it's hard work. For some it's easier, but I will tell you for sure, the younger you are, the better you will be at it. So get at it. Could I read a passage from Ecclesiastes that's pertinent to this conversation? Please. <laughs> Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So your point there is we are all in this together and the closer we are together, the better off we will all be. Amen. Is that good enough? Sure. Would you like to add another one? So we will be reigning with Christ for a thousand years in this old earth before it becomes the new earth so there's there's you know there is nothing that we how do i say this correctly i believe that there are a lot of things that god puts on our hearts as far as uh, doing being able to do things being able to enjoy things, even being able to go to places. 
those thousand years, he might be giving us some of those things to do. And it'll be a whole a lot more enjoyable than it is right now. The taxes will be paid, the tickets will be bought. So the last verse I want to leave us with is 1 John 5.21. Because if we're disciples, if we call ourselves a disciple of Jesus, then we are, we belong to him. He is our Lord. He is our master. And we are his faithful subject. We are in God's kingdoms now as his possession, as he promised. And so we are now working for him in that. And it is a commitment that we made. And we want to not ever consider reneging on that because that would be ridiculous. It's a commitment of not maximum importance and all other allegiances become idolatrous, whether it's our own self or somebody else or something else. So does, I didn't put that up there and I don't have my Bible with me, but the last verse in 1 John is, my little children, keep yourself from idols. Thank you. Any comments, anything to Close that up better. You guys are silent as everything here. Tell us the verse on first John, what chapter? Five twenty-one. Okay. We're in this together. Let's be together. <laughs> Communicate. Thank you, the end. <laughs>